You're listening to Irish Radio Canada, Tom Abroad, and we are down on the east coast, as far east as you can get without tripping into the ocean and getting out on the other side in Ireland. We're in Newfoundland. And we're talking about tilting harbour and the efforts that are underway or the struggle that's underway to retain Irish identity. And Kieran Dwyer is with me. And Kieran is from that neck of the woods. He's the vice president of the Benevolent Irish Society in St. John's, Newfoundland, which was established in 1806. So we're just coming out of what is a provincial holiday. It used to be a national holiday. It was now a provincial holiday in Newfoundland, the 17th of March. Kieran, thanks a million for coming along. And we're here to talk about tilting and the Irish identity and the efforts to keep it alive and kick it. Yes. As I was growing up as a, as a boy, I mean, I would hear my mother talking about, you know, Thomas Burke came from Don Garvin. And she talked about a great her great-grandmother, who was a Mansfield, Murphy in a Mansfield, and and she said that she beat a shower and tilting off the schooner and that her, her husband, her first husband, had been killed beside her in bed in, she said, Ross Common, but it could be in Wexford in, in Ross or New Ross. And, and there was always talk of, of Ireland and uh, the Irish connection. And then, of course, the, the songs and stories and the recitations. I mean, they all came from Ireland. You know, some of them may not have came directly from Ireland State and tilting, but they certainly were a lot of uh, a lot of Newfoundlanders and, and people from Fogo Island and probably from the East Coast. They would go to the Boston States years and years and years ago in the 1800s and early part of the 1900s. And some of the stories and some of the recitations and some of the songs came back that way to Tilting. But it was certainly evident in, in you know, every time it was a concert or every time there was anything happening, you certainly saw and heard the proudness and the loyalty to Ireland and to everything Irish. Fast forward then, you know, 40 years, and in, in 2011, I think it was, there was a group in St. John's, it was, it was set up by the government. What it was doing, it was it was every second year to be a group from Newfoundland, from down around the Avalon Peninsula, go to Ireland, every other year to come back here. So in 2011, it was the first year that they, they stepped outside that, and they went to, to Tilting. Anyway, there was a group, I got a call, and it was a group of five or six from Carrick and Shore that were going to Tilting, and they wanted one, and if they could stay at our house. And even who I am, and I guess it's the Irish in me, is, uh, you know, I think the Irish and the nosiness goes together. So I, so I said, yes, no problem. So I went out, and anyway, I met some great, great people from Carrick and Shore, and, and of course, where Johnny, I'm sure, told you, my, my grandmother was uh, Alice Green, and Michael Green, or as, as they said years ago in Tilting, Mickle Green, came from Carrick and Shore. So anyway, so I, I made that connection, and, and, and the thing that they kept saying to me was, they can't believe how Irish the tilting is and the people and the language and, you know, everything about it. And they, they were wined and dined and partied and sang and recited and story told. And it was amazing. And I guess that was the first time that I knew. I said, holy golly, this what we grew up with around everything Irish. It certainly rings with these people from, from Carrick and Shore and, and County Tipperary. You know, we really are Irish. And we, we really, you know, even after, you know, 1750s, this was in 2011, I think, over 200 years have passed, we're still Irish. And and some people would say, you know, my golly, like some of these people would say, and later I had other people in Tilting, and they would say, my golly, I think uh, Ireland drifted away from Tilting instead of Tilting drifted away from Ireland because it was so Irish. And everything about it, from the from the, the colours of the houses to the, to the dialect that we spoke and we had uh, lots of Irish words that we used and probably didn't really know they were Irish, but we used them. And they were still strong, in, you know, 200 years later. 
So I guess that's that's what started my connection and endearment to going to Ireland and learning about Ireland and learning about our connection to Ireland and, and firming up that connection. Karen, one of the things I understand may be an issue is that the retention of that strong link is being challenged at the moment. Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's a it's that we're in a world where people are less informed as a result of oral tradition and a variety of things. But I understand that there's a challenge retaining the strength of the Irish identity in Celtic. Oh, it is. And, and you know, and it's a strong point. It's also a weak point, and that is communication and the advancements of technology and, you know, telephone, televisions, and radios. Like, one of the things that we talk about, people around my age, we talk about, like, one time when, when I was growing up in Celtic, there was always lots of characters. And people said, what do you mean by characters? There were people that went around house to house, they probably had a drink or two too many, but they were real figures in the community. And now there's very few, if any, characters in our community. And I think a lot of it is the fact that people don't have to visit, you know, because one time there was probably only five or six people in the community that had a radio and then mm-hmm. two or three people that had a TV. And mm-hmm. you had no choice but to visit. Mm-hmm. And and then with the event of, of all technology that we see today, there's no need of it. I, I think what you and I are doing now, the, the Zooming, I think that's a positive for, mm-hmm. for sharing culture, sharing links, sharing identity, you know, that sense of belonging. And, and I think that when you look at the Irish people, and I think tilting is no different than that, is that sense of belonging is so strong and so important. Like when I look and I still see some of the young people in tilting and, and while they're not in tilting, they may be in St. John's or they could be in Ontario or they could be in Alberta or God knows where. They still got that strong sense of identity of Irish and you know, the, the songs that they sing and, and so on, again, reinforces that sense of identity, that sense of Irishness and of, of who we are and who are people. It's interesting you talk about communications because I'm very conscious when I was growing up, we didn't have a phone. And then there was one phone eventually when my father, he was in the bank in Ireland. When he became a manager, there was a phone that was in the house because it was the office phone. But Nowadays, when there's just myself and my wife, there's probably six different phone numbers that we can be got at between the two of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, th- I think that I think it's a, it, it erodes away our sense of, of who we are and where we belong to. You know, it is a strength, but it's also in, in some instances it, it's a it's it's a weakness, too, because, you know, what I say to people is it's only in the last number of years that they started texting. Right. And, and basically, while it's fast years ago. It was letter writing that connected people. Can you imagine if it had been the other way around where 10 years ago they had discovered telephones instead of finding them in Alexander Graham Bell? If they had to have the, if they had to continue on with the, with the writing, communication to writing, and even if it was digital, and then they come up with the telephone, what, what, what difference would it be? I wonder if it had been reversed. I often lament that. Well, I think the only part of the difference is, and I think the pandemic has exacerbated on one level and has provided an opportunity on the other. And that is, you know, you t- you describe a society where people went around house to house. And as a result of that, you had an oral tradition, you had a music tradition, you had a folklore tradition, you had all the rest of it. And as you say, now you and I are talking through technology, but that technology has meant that those traditions are now being put out there on the likes of YouTube. The problem with that is that tradition is vibrant. Tr- tradition requires people to be in the same room to bounce off each other. And YouTube and these kind of other ways are brilliant to get it out there, but it's a one-way medium. You know, because one of the things that we've tried since COVID, like I remember, I guess it was probably the first year of COVID, 
And we, I went out to a friend's house, myself and him and another guy were there. And we, we did a Zoom meeting or with a group who had been in tilting. Many of them have been in tilting. I think all of them, in fact, had been in tilting over the years. And uh, we did it in Carrick and Shore and they met at one lady's house and we sat down and they'd play a tune or tell a story. We'd play a tune or tell a story. And But that ribbing wasn't there, the R-I-B-B-I-N-G. And that ribbing is a connection. And it reinforces, you know, you can say, well, it reinforces stereotypes. Well, maybe. But the thing it reinforces, it reinforces the story. Because I can stay here and, you know, we can talk all day long. But if you're sitting down in the room, there's a whole lot more stories that come out simply because of a, of a word that somebody says or, you know, a connotation of somebody or something. But technology is not keeping up with this. Yeah, and I suppose what I'm hearing as well is that you mentioned early on the word character, and a character is a three-dimensional person. In fact, characters were four-dimensional people in many ways, and what we're on is a two-dimensional environment, and I think mm-hmm. that's probably what's being lost is those dimensions yeah. that make the character. Yeah, because three times, I've been over to Ireland three times now, I was there in 15, 17, and 19, and almost every community I was in, and I was in a lot of communities, uh, and a lot of pubs, and I met a lot of people. And I found that very often, if I went into almost every, I would say every pub I went into, I would run across a character. <laughs> he was known by everybody there. He was funny. He was engaging. He was he was a historian, you know. And and even like I remember, I went down the first first year it was over. I met with. Uh, I met with uh, Michael Cody in a, in a pub in, uh, in a little pub in Carrican Shore. And, uh, and he had been in tilting. I met my mother. I hadn't met him when he was in tilting, but he came over to tilting and he spent some time in, in, on the island and, and did some research and was at my mom's house. And, and, and the two of them, you know, were, were great friends. And uh, my mom had subsequently passed away when I met him. But that was the thing he said to me. He said, like, I can... You know, I can get on the phone and talk to your mother, or I could have, or I could write letters, but sitting down beside her and the little anecdotes that she would say or the things that I would say would tweak her memory or tweak her thought of something that happened 50, 60, 70 years before, that's missing in the technology world. So bringing us back to where we are today then on tilting and the future, how do you see the road ahead and how do you see the what? is there that can help and is there enough awareness enough enthusiasm to help maintain the culture well you know we talked about covid a little while ago and we talked about how it has changed technology and communication and, and social engagement it, it has changed all all of the things we do every single day and and and, uh, and and for me i guess there's two there's two sides my hope is is that because of the zooms and the team meets and the googles and all of that is that now I can work in tilting. I can live in tilting and work in tilting, but my employment could be anywhere and everywhere. I mean, so I would hope that that would be a positive and that people would move back. That's one part. Second part that I, that I think I've, I've come to, I don't want to discover or be reinforced to me is that when you look at the world, most of our food production is coming from rural areas of our world. Okay. You know, the farms and the fishing and the whatever. So that gives me hope, too, is that people will realize that, hey, and I say it to myself, I would a lot sooner be in tilting when whatever happens, the transportation system breaks down and we can't get food in. I would much sooner be in tilting than in Toronto, because if I was in tilting, I can 
you know, grow my own vegetables, mm-hmm. I can get my fish, I can get my, my meat, and, and so on, right? So these are, two, these are two things that I'd hope. But the sad reality is, is that our young people are leaving in droves, and they're not coming back. And, and you know, that's, that's part of that is the capital world we live in. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we all, you know, I grew up as poor as a church house mouse. I mean, I was the youngest of 10. Uh, my father died when I was 13. I went to grade eight. I, I remember I had, uh, was a, a girl in our community. My sister-in-law's sister had been home and she gave some jeans and one of the pair of jeans that I wore to my first day in grade eight, the ass of them. And, and my mother had patched, but you know, I was still as proud as a peacock. We were poor. But the thing is now people have an abundance of too much. Mm-hmm. And we live in this instantaneous gratification society that we don't have time to wait for anything. Mm-hmm. If somebody says they're going to text you or call you and you haven't done it, so you look at your phone a hundred times. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, everything is instantaneous. And if you're living in rural Newfoundland, say Fogo Island, you know, communication can be instantaneous, but some things is not going to be instantaneous. And the access to, the access to all the things that we're, we've grown used to, maybe it's going to be a little bit delayed in getting there. So like, you know, so it's a, it's, it's, it's that, so North and South Pole is, you know, yeah, one is yeah. the pulling. And then, of course, the other thing is it's been happening for the last 100 years or 80 years, and that's that urban pull and rural push, mm-hmm. right, where probably at, in the Second World War, the beginning of the Second World War, or maybe just before that, you know, we lived in 30% of the people lived in the urban areas, 70% lived in cities. Now we're reversed. In fact, now we're getting closer to 80-20. Yeah. And, you know, we get and, – and that's not always – and I think we've learned through COVID that that that's not always the best. And the other thing is, when we look at our at our world and our society. It's it's not the rural areas that's that's creating that's out that's creating the huge amount of of poisoning our atmospheres. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. more it's more that urban urbanization of the world. It's like my father used to always say. This is one of the things about the likes of Fogo and, and Tilting is. You know, and it's a sad reality on what you just said. He says you can't eat the scenery. But hopefully with technology that it does allow people to return. I know it's the same in Ireland that they're looking on that as a result now of telecommuting that more and more people can potentially move back to rural Ireland where housing is more affordable. Lifestyle is less expensive. It's yeah. greater, better quality of life. All those good things. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I was a principal, school principal. I was a teacher and school principal for 30 years, and I just retired, and I've become a real estate agent. One, two, three, four. I've sold five properties, uh, two of which are on Fogo Island, but one of the ones I've sold on Fogo Island is a young couple, three children under five, and they're moving to Fogo Island, lock, mm-hmm. stock, and barrel. Mm-hmm. have never been to Fogo Island before. Mm-hmm. So that is another that is another uh, avenue of growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when, when you talk about your Irish and your local traditions, hopefully they learn them uh, mm-hmm. if it's not too late, because a lot of our, a lot of our, our, you know, most of rural Newfoundland, Fogo Island, no different, and Tilting, no different, is uh, the majority of people are over 60. Far, yeah. far, far, far majority of people are over 60. When I grew up, you know, in my grade alone, it was 13 students. I think it was 13 students in the same grade as me from Tilting. Right. Now, I'd say as many grades get nobody in Tilting. Yeah. Nobody from Tilting there, you know, so like that's the pull or the push we're, we're fighting all the time. I remember I was on the Iron Islands a number of years back and I brought my mother out there and we were um, going around in the bus and the guy 
um, said to me that it was a case of, first of all, you wouldn't have found a person on the Iron Islands who had a word of English. But now at that stage, it was a case of they all had Hollywood English mm-hmm. as a result of television. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's one of the sad realities as well, is that what was the yeah. holistic community is now pulling so much of a, a global influence in that is diluting the richness of the local. Oh, yeah. And I mean, this, you know, this global village is shrinking all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. 10 years ago here, you know, you wouldn't see it was 10% of the people in uh, service industries were, uh, you know, immigrants. Now you go into them, there's probably 60 or 70%, right? So that's, that's the... So, Kieran, we're going to have to wrap up. Time's of the essence, I'm afraid. Um, there's a limit on it. Um, much, and all, much and all is when you can be in Newfoundland, uh, you can step off the clock and step off the world and enjoy uh, that slower pace. But it's been mm-hmm. a real pleasure meeting you, chatting with you, and learning more and more about tilting. And hopefully that that uh, innate cultural part of uh, a little pocket of Ireland that resides in Newfoundland remains very much vibrant. Oh, and it, and it will, and uh, I think that it's, it's incumbent on all of us that are that are still uh, living and breathing is that we make sure that our that our uh, our children and grandchildren get a piece of it. And if anyone wants to find you guys, you're the Benevolent Irish Society of, New, of St John's. That's still out there. You have a website or a Facebook page. Yeah, we the Benevolent Irish Society. Yeah, 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 yeah. indeed. Yeah. Okay, you take care and thank you very much. Hopefully, we see you until things sometime. Hopefully.